Hi, friends. It's Randy and Jess, and we're going to cut the bullshit. And let's get into women's mental health. Welcome to the Women's Mental Health Podcast with Randy and Jess. We're two licensed psychotherapists where we talk about mental health, well-being, and strategies for coping with life's challenges and how it's all normal. We wanted to answer some of the questions that we ask at the beginning of our podcast because sometimes we just ask them. And you're like, wait, wait, what's that answer? What is the answer to that? <laughs> we need an answer. We damn want it. it directly tied to it. Don't you know my ADHD needs to like put one and two together? Right. <laughs> okay. The three that came through the strongest were the ADHD rage, being on spectrum, and PDA or pathological demand avoidance. So we're going to go through and answer those questions for you. What is ADHD rage? ADHD rage is where individuals with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder experience intense emotional and behavioral outbursts that can quickly become uncontrollable, especially for women when they're flooded or overwhelmed. So how common, Randy, is ADHD rage in women? It's difficult to estimate because people don't always report their emotional outbursts that they're having, but it is very prevalent with women that have ADHD. We're noticing more and more in research. And more and more women are talking openly about it, which is so fantastic. It's amazing. It is. It is. So what causes ADHD rage? ADHD rage is often triggered by a buildup of frustration, a perceived lack of control, or feeling overwhelmed. Again, also feeling very flooded. It is, it's like an added up difficulties managing emotions and impulsivity. It's just when so much comes in at you at once and you just are like, what? Randy, how can ADHD rage affect relationships? ADHD rage can be stressful and harmful to relationships because frequent outbursts can cause emotional distress, leading to difficulties in communication and thus reducing intimacy in relationships. Yeah, your husband may not want to have sex with you after you called him an asshole. I mean, he might. He might. I mean, it just depends, <laughs> it depends on what they're on into. His kinks. <laughs> Jess, how can I manage ADHD rage? I think the first part is going to be forgiveness, forgiving yourself and being okay with your flaws. We are not perfect. We say this all the time. We are not perfect. Perfect does not exist. And so through this forgiveness and letting go of perfection, we can accept ourselves to improve our interpersonal skills, enhance our relationships, and really communicate to develop a more balanced emotional state. So can cognitive behavioral therapy help manage ADHD rage? Oh my gosh. So cognitive behavioral therapy, which we also call CBT in the therapy world, is one of the most effective approaches to managing ADHD rage and depression and anxiety and everything else. It focuses on developing specific skills such as emotional regulation, problem solving, communication to help people with their symptoms, as well as communicating what their needs are to those around them. Yeah, simply, I like to say CBT is like rewiring your brain mm -hmm. and, you know, giving you the skills to do that. It's one of my favorite things about therapy. So how can we cultivate forgiveness towards yourself and others continually? 
We really need to work towards self-compassion and gratitude. When we practice self-compassion and acceptance, it goes along with mindfulness and it just helps us, you know, and by seeking, you know. Like self-love in a way, uh, then you're able to pass that love. When you love yourself, you're able to pass more love on to other people. Randy said a couple episodes ago, I like myself, I love myself, I'm worthy. Those right there is how we're going to start working on some of our inner shit. Mm-hmm. And that's my quote. <laughs> inner shit. Our yeah. inner shit. <laughs> it's important to develop and utilize additional coping strategies, or as I like to call it, my coping toolbox. Mm-hmm. And you can get those tools by some of the things that we talked about and working with a therapist. So you have an arsenal at your ready when you are feeling like you're on the verge of combusting. I'm laughing because you said arsenal and rage at the same time. I know time. I did. I was like, I'm, think, like, I'm thinking of like a what? bomb and like and missiles Facebook going off. And Instagram is going to like be blocking us. I right. already got put in jail last week <laughs> for a picture I posted, which wasn't even anything, but okay. Our podcast on what it means to be on spectrum, the have you ever, have you ever, good Lord, have you ever's, no, the have you ever thought questions. But that's it. Okay, so Jess, what does it mean to be on the autism spectrum? Being on the autism spectrum means having a neurodevelopmental condition that affects how a person perceives and interacts with the world. It's a spectrum because it encompasses a wide range of strengths and challenges. It impacts communication, social interactions, and behavior to varying different degrees. Randy, what are some common signs of autism in women over 25? So common signs, common, <laughs> fuck, I give up, common signs of autism. Wait, wait, hold on. You have to stop entirely. You can't <laughs> laugh and start because I can delete all the other, <laughs> okay, but okay. when we're laughing, it sounds weird. Common signs of autism in women might include difficulty with social interactions, sensory sensitivities, intense interest in specific topics, and a preference for routine. It can manifest differently in women, often with camouflaging or masking behaviors to fit in socially. So Jess, can women be diagnosed with autism later in life? Absolutely. Many women receive an autism diagnosis when they are later in life. Some may go undiagnosed in childhood due to camouflaging or masking behaviors, but seeking support and a diagnosis as an adult can provide clarity and access to appropriate support. How can I support a woman who is on the autism spectrum? So supporting a woman on the autism spectrum involves understanding her unique needs, encouraging open communication, and providing a safe, accepting environment. Especially important is educating yourself about autism. That can be so helpful in helping a woman or a friend with autism. Jess, what is masking in the context of autism? Masking or camouflaging is when individuals on the autism spectrum imitate social behaviors to fit in. Even though it doesn't come naturally to them, many women do this. I'm laughing. Yes, many women do this to navigate social situations, so it can be really tiring and really exhausting. Are there any mental health challenges associated with being on the spectrum? Yes, women on the autism spectrum often face mental health challenges such as anxiety, depression, and burnout due to the effort required to masking and coping with their sensory sensitivities. What is sensory sensitivity and how does it affect women on the spectrum? 
Sensory sensitivity refers to a heightened or reduced sensitivity to sensory stimuli like light, sound, or touch. It can affect women on the spectrum by making certain environments or situations overwhelming or uncomfortable. So it could be too loud, could be too bright. It could be, um, I don't like the feeling of microfiber towels. They creep me out. Too many people. Too many, yes. All of that. Can being on the spectrum affect a woman's relationship, including romantic ones? Yes, definitely it can. Challenges with social interaction and communication can definitely impact romantic relationships and even friendships. However, with understanding and open communication, healthy and fulfilling relationships are entirely possible. What resources are available for women on the autism spectrum seeking support or diagnosis? Luckily, now there's a lot of online resources, a lot of local support groups and professionals specializing in diagnosing and supporting women on the autism spectrum. You can seek out these resources either online, through your health insurance. There's so much more covered now regarding autism spectrum disorder that it's a lot easier to find than say it was 40 years ago. Randy, is it possible for women on spectrum to have successful careers and lead fulfilling lives? Absolutely, 100%. Many successful women are on the autism spectrum. With the right support, understanding, and accommodations, women on the spectrum can excel in so many fields and lead fulfilling, happy lives. You are not alone in this, and you can get through it. We're going to go back through and answer our questions on pathological demand avoidance, the have you ever thoughts. So just what is PDA? PDA, or pathological demand avoidance, is a profile on the autism spectrum involving the avoidance of everyday demands and the use of social strategies as part of this avoidance. And I do want to note that is not seen here in the U.S. PDA is something that is seen and diagnosed in other countries like the U.K. or Australia. We just haven't gotten with it yet. Is PDA a form of autism? Yes, PDA is on the autism spectrum, but it is not widely understood yet. Like we were talking about, it's more known in European countries, but not in the U.S. so much. Jess, how does PDA affect mental health? PDA can have a significant impact on mental health due to the constant everyday demands. This can lead to increased stress, anxiety, and just overall feelings of overwhelm. Randy, what are the signs and symptoms of PDA? Common signs and symptoms of PDA include extreme resistance to everyday demands, acting out or becoming aggressive when demands are placed, excessive need for control and manipulation, and difficulties with social interactions and communication. Jess, how is PDA diagnosed? Diagnosing PDA can be challenging as it is not yet officially recognized as a separate diagnostic category, especially here in the U.S. A comprehensive assessment by a qualified professional specializing in autism and related conditions is usually required in other countries, like we've talked about the U.K., Australia. It is more widely accepted and known. And so even if you have a child that you think fits PDA and not oppositional defiant disorder, use this as an education piece and just start educating. Mm -hmm. So Randy, can adults have PDA? Yes, PDA can be present in both children and adults. Many individuals with PDA continue to struggle with demands and social interactions well into adulthood. 
What are some coping strategies for individuals with PDA? Coping strategies for individuals with PDA include providing choices and flexibility, using visual supports and social stories, practicing self-care, anxiety management techniques, and seeking professional help and support can really help you and others with PDA. I wanted to touch on social stories real quick because that's something we use a lot with my son, especially in the classroom. So him understanding kind of like they almost make like a comic strip for him. Like we do this in this social situation and we're going to try this with a friend and this and having that visual and the story can really help him piece together what he needs to do to cope in certain situations. Is that kind of like how we'll have, you know, brush your teeth? get dressed. Like we have, you know, people will put them in little frames in the bathroom. Visual cues and stuff like that can really be helpful, especially with kids on the autism spectrum and ADHD. And that goes along with this. This is usually kind of like, how would you play out this situation? Like we would call it role playing in therapy. Mm. We would role play with our clients, like how to handle a situation. But this is also bringing in that visual aspect of it. I like it. Randy, how can loved ones support someone with PDA? Loved ones can support individuals with PDA by creating a supportive and very predictable environment. So it's like, you know, their triggers, you know, their cues, you give them flexibility, you give them choices. And using clear and concise language is very important. Also offering empathy and understanding and educating yourself to support them through this journey. Are there any resources available for further learning about PDA? There are books, there's online forums, there are support groups. There are organizations that are dedicated to PDA and autism spectrum disorders. There's a lot of it that's going to be in other countries, but they are here because they are trying to get this into the DSM and what we use to code and diagnose people. So Randy, how can I seek professional help for PDA? If you suspect that you or a loved one may have PDA, it's recommended to consult with a qualified healthcare professional who specializes in autism and related conditions. They can provide an accurate diagnosis and help you find appropriate interventions and support services. And again, we want to note that PDA is not recognized here in the U.S. as a diagnosis. So if you go to your doctor and you're like, I think I have PDA, they're probably going to think that you have the something you're doing in public, right? <laughs> they're going to be like, oh, no, what are they doing? Right. But you can go through and explain it as under the autism umbrella, and, and maybe they can help you in that sense. So that wraps up today's episode of Women's Mental Health Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, share it with friends who may benefit, and leave us a review. We're here to support you on your journey to improve mental health and well-being. And join us next time for another empowering discussion on topics that matter most to you. Until then, take care of yourselves, be kind to one another, and remember, you are not alone on this journey. We're here cheering you on every step of the way. Thanks for listening and normalizing mental health with us. Don't forget to check out our free resources and favorites on our website, unapologeticallyrandyandjess.com. Like and share this episode and tune in next week.